Hiring continues to be a massive challenge for many service businesses. Today, I'll talk about a few things we can do to simplify this challenge, as well as increase our chances of finding someone to fill our open positions. Running a service business can be hard. It is not unusual for business owners in industries like contracting, home repair, auto repair, business-to-business services like janitorial, IT and accounting, and many others to feel overwhelmed by all the priorities facing them at any given time. Between addressing the needs of the customers, managing the employees, figuring out the financials, and getting processes in place, feeling like you're making significant progress on your business journey can be difficult. Welcome to Service Industry Success, hosted by Brian Harding. Each week, Brian will look at real-world strategies for building the business you are dreaming of, while also sharing tactics to get through some of the most frustrating parts of business ownership with a lot more ease. Let's get started. So there's no question still. Uh, people are, lots of people are just absolutely you know, desperate for help. Uh, it's still one of the most common things I hear people talking about in a variety of uh, areas, uh, just bumping into people um, when I go to conferences and conventions and association meetings and, and just random phone calls and stuff. Uh, hiring is still a massive challenge. Uh, it feels like it's getting a little bit better, but it's still, it's still pretty, pretty tough for a lot of folks. So uh, sometimes massive challenges like this can just seem overwhelming. So today I'm just going to kind of break it down uh, into a couple of, of you know step-by-step kind of things but also share with you a couple of predicate beliefs I have as to how um, we are making this harder than it has to be. Uh, there, now, there's no question there's a labor shortage. There's no question there's more jobs and there are people who are wanting to work. I don't dispute any of that stuff. And I think we're how most business owners are approaching hiring is counterproductive in many ways. And I'll, and I'll show you what I mean by that here in a little bit. Um, the people who I think... So back to, I guess, before I get started on the step-by-step stuff, there's a couple of predicate beliefs I want to kind of share with you as to how I think about stuff like this. So what I'm going to say later on will make sense. So one of the things that I believe is the people in, to me who are typically the most successful in business find reasons besides these two to compel people to take action. And those two things that they find reason for people to act besides these two things are fear and money. Fear and money are what most people rely on to get others to take action. In my opinion, the best leaders do not rely upon fear as their primary lever to compel compliance, for example. So we've all worked for people whose number one lever to get compliance was fear. You do this or else. Uh, It might be fear of job loss, fear of disciplinary action, fear of, of disappointing or losing favor with the boss. Might be fear of disemp- uh, embarrassment. Uh, I had I've worked for people who were absolutely had no shame and absolutely just dressing people down in front of others, and that fear of humiliation was their primary lever for compliance. And I think that the the fewer other strategies we have, the more we rely on fear to get people to do what we want. So you guys have heard me talk numerous times about how horrible I was at managing people when I first started. This is why. I had no other strategies besides fear. So fear is what I tried to use, and the people didn't fear me. So it didn't work. <laughs> it just was not. It just it didn't work in that setting. Uh, I, had, uh, I had a title, and that was it, but it didn't work. So I think also 
the people who are struggling now the most with getting compliance and buy-in and participation with their employees are that fear is gone. Uh, people are not afraid of losing their jobs now. If I don't get, if I don't, if I get from this job, I'll go find one that pays three bucks an hour or more. Like, what's the fear? And so people are are learning. Business owners, leaders, managers are learning that relying upon just fear is not necessarily a good long term strategy. I remember having this conversation when I was twenty four. I think I had either just taken that supervisory job, my first one, or I was about to. And I was having a conversation, and this is not in my notes today, even it just popped in my head, but um, I was having a conversation with a guy who would be a peer of mine when I became a supervisor and our boss who was an operations manager. And we were talking about, you know, uh, fear being a great motivator. And they were both saying it was a great motivator. And I remember thinking it's a good short-term motivator, but long-term it's not. I don't think it is. I mean, if, if that's what we rely upon the culture we end up with is not one where people are innovative, where they take initiative, where they volunteer, where they want to help each other out, where they want to seek improvement. Like if people are scared, they react, they don't act. And so I just remember thinking, and I'm not sure why that popped in my head today, but I just remember thinking that, yeah, it's a great short-term lever, but long-term we better have something better. And even in, again, I was here, I was in the beginning of my career where I was not very good at this. I even recognized it then, but I had nothing else to rely upon. So I just fell to what, what I, what all I had, which was that very thing. Other examples where I don't think fear, um, is the best lever, you know, some of the best salespeople use scarcity and urgency to supplement their offers, to kind of get people to act now versus, uh, delaying a decision or something like that, but they don't rely on scarcity or urgency as the entire reason a buyer should choose from them. You wouldn't want to be trying to sell a new HVAC unit by trying to convince people you're the only person who could do this. And the only time you have us today, like that would just, that's, that's ludicrous. They would just, they would laugh at you. Probably they would tell you to get out of their house. That wouldn't work. Most companies perform better over the long run by providing more, not charging less. So this is now we're talking about money, of course. Fear and money are the two levers that we we are seeing people kind of default to right now, and they're struggling. And, and this is where I'm kind of going with, with the reason they're struggling is because these are the mechanisms we're used to. In 2010, you could put an ad in the in the on Indeed or Craigslist or wherever you advertise and you know put an ad out there for 18 bucks an hour. And if you know a month later you didn't get you didn't get a response, you changed it to 19 bucks an hour and you'd have 25 people. That is not the case anymore. And long term. Companies that rely upon dollars perform poor, more poorly than companies that rely upon providing be more or better service. And I believe part of the reason that some people are hiring, uh, struggling to hire today is because fear and money, kind of the go-to levers we've all been taught our entire careers, they're not working anymore. People are not scared of losing their job. They're not scared of not getting a job because there's so few of them. And they're not scared of missing out on a, on a monetary opportunity because the next one's going to be just as good, if not better, by the way. So these things that we've kind of learned over our entire careers for people who are my age, you know, my late 40s or early 50s or late 50s even, or even 60s, these are the levers we've been taught our whole career that work. Like, you know, people need a job. Well, today they don't feel like they need a job. I can like that or not like that. It doesn't matter. That's how, that's reality. That's how they're approaching this. And these are the people I need to, to hire. Um... If they don't like the opportunity I'm offering monetarily, they'll go find a different one and it might be better. 
So these two things we've been taught over and over and over again, um, I just don't think are working. And the people who are struggling the most, I think, are the ones who are so entrenched in this and are not willing to try something different. So to reiterate, yes, I agree. There's a shortage of people out there relative to the amount of jobs available. There's no question. And if we want to solve a problem for our company, we better figure something out besides money and fear. So how do we do that? First thing is we have to understand we have to cater our message, our, our job posting message to who we are hoping will respond. You cannot possibly have a message that's compelling to both a person um, making a lateral move in your industry and a person who knows nothing about your industry. You cannot have one job post that speaks to both those people in a compelling way. If you try to talk to both of them, you will, you'll reach neither of them. You can't talk to a person who understands your industry, understands the job, knows they're making a lateral move, and talk about things that would get them to understand you're talking to them and they should act without losing the person who has no frame of reference for what you're talking about. Conversely, if you're talking to a person who is new to the industry and doesn't know all the nuances and things like that, the person who's making a lateral move would tune it up because they're like, I know all this stuff. They're not talking to me. This is for a person who doesn't know this stuff. So the first thing we have to wrap our heads around is we cannot have a one-size-fits-all message. This idea we're going to have one job posting and reach people who have 25 years experience in this thing, this job we're looking to fill and who are dying for this opportunity to come from a different industry all in one message is ludicrous. Like if that's our strategy, we're, we're completely on the wrong track. You may have to have two messages. You might have one for people who you're hoping to make a lateral move. And you might have one for people who are new to the industry. You might even have a third one where you're like, hey, you're a, you're a person who's ready to be promoted into this position. You might have three different messages for one job because you're talking to three different audiences. You cannot sell anything to my wife and I using the same message. We are different people. We make decisions different ways. You cannot have a message that, that, that is compelling to a person who's done this job for 15 years and is changing companies and a person who's maybe never even heard of this job before. I mean, how many people think about, I'm going to be an HVAC technician. How many people, if you even asked them who are not in that industry, would even know what that means? I mean, they would, they know that HVAC systems exist. They have no idea what kind of training it takes. They have no idea what the criteria for hiring are. Like, they don't know any of this stuff. So we have to, we have, to have a message that caters to who we are hoping will respond. That's first and foremost. So once we understand that, the obvious question is, is the person we're talking to in this particular ad, this particular job posting in our industry or not? If so, why should they choose that? Why should they consider coming to your company and staying where they, instead of staying where they are? And here's where we begin to get in trouble. If wages alone are your selling point, you're probably in trouble. One of the reasons is if they come to you for that extra $2 an hour, they will also leave you for that $2 an hour later on. This idea that they're going to come to you because you offer $2 an hour and then they're going to retire there because we're just, we're so awesome and no $2 an hour could ever again get them to, to move companies. That's, that's crazy. That's just not how it's going to happen. If they come to you for $2 an hour, they will leave you for $2 an hour. So I don't want to compete on that unless I have to, or, to, or any more to, than the degree I have to, I should say. The other thing to consider is wages are generally not the reason people leave a job. I want to be really clear about this. Wages are sometimes the excuse for people leaving a job, but they are rarely the reason. Now, are there exceptions? Yes, of course, there's exceptions. There's exceptions to everything I ever say. So um, 
generally speaking, I've not seen a, a survey done in decades that shows that anything other than the number one reason for people leaving a job is their relationship with the direct supervisor. That's been a static constant for decades. Now, are people going to stay in a situation where they're grossly underpaid? No. But are they going to leave a really good relationship with their direct supervisor for a dollar an hour? Probably not. Are there exceptions? Of course. But we have to understand that wages are generally an excuse, not the reason. We have to be really clear about that. So the thing for us to be asking ourselves is what do we offer that is a compelling enough reason for them to up in their lives and come do the exact same job for you instead of staying where they're at? What do they not like about their current job situation that is compelling enough to move on and that you solve? Now, besides wages, what do you want to compete on? So here's where I get, here's where the, the pushback is. I can almost hear like people screaming at the, whatever they're listening at this podcast on right now. Like, Brian, you don't understand. People want an unreasonable amount of money nowadays. And that's true for the people you're talking to in your ads. Look at your ads. What else, if anything, are you speaking about in your ads besides money? If all you talk about is we offer $22 an hour for this job, the people who care about money are the ones who are going to read it and respond. So if our only or primary selling point about the job is wages, who else would we expect to reply? If we're speaking about wages, people who care about wages are ones who are going to pay attention. So if we don't want to compete on wages, which I don't, again, I, 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 I'm operating under the premise that people believe that most companies are generally paying about the same. There might be, a, there's a range for sure. But again, unless we're in a, we're grossly underpaying people, wages is not generally the primary reason people stay or leave a job uh, or pick or, or leave a job historically. Now, again, if you're paying, if you're paying $18 an hour to do a job and all your competitors are paying $26 an hour, yeah, you're in trouble. Like that's obvious examples like that I'm not talking about. People are, are, are convinced, though, right now that people are completely willing to throw away all these other things, relationships, culture, their enjoyment for their job, how much um, perceived advancement opportunities they have, how much they feel uh, that what they're doing is meaningful, like all these things that have historically been t- the case, that they're just throwing all that away for an extra dollar an hour. That's not the case. I don't believe that's the case. So the other thing is we, we got to figure out, um, well... If we're, going to, if we're going to say that pay is a major factor in the equation, fine. I get that. Okay. So figure that pay is now a more compelling reason than it was five years ago. And I, I don't disagree with that at all. So here's what I would suggest for you, though. If you just can't get around this idea that pay is like the most important thing, fine. I, I got that. So answer this then instead. Besides pay, what are the next top three criteria you want people to consider when making their decision to come work for your company? to stay at your company or leave your company. So there's pay and what are the next three things you want, you want to be uh, competing on? And we got to be specific here and, and we got to have things that are hopefully like somewhat measurable. We can't say things like, well, we provide a great work environment. We have a great team atmosphere. Well, who isn't going to say that they provide a great work environment? Like what company would not, would, would like openly say, no, we don't have that. <laughs> so we can't say the same things everybody else is going to say and expect to get some kind of, you know, massive result. So we have to figure out if, if you're just locked in this thing, like Brian, you don't get it. You're, you completely lost your mind. All people care about is money. Fine. They care about money. And what are the other three things besides that you want to compete on? 
what are the things that you want people to make their decision to stay or leave your company on after money? So put money, put money at the top of the list, fine. What are the next three things? And your obvious question is going to be, well, how could I know that? <laughs> and this is where we have to do something different. We have to ask. We have to find out. We have to go figure out. We have to do some homework. We have to go ask people. So here's the analogy I use. Like, you know, it wasn't that long ago. Uh, the housing market's cooling down a little bit. But let's say in, in a year ago, February of 2022, it was absolutely a seller's market in the housing industry, right? People would list their house and they would get multiple offers over asking, like bidding wars, like all that stuff. Now, imagine you wanted to buy a house in that environment. And you, and you got a hold of the, the seller and said, hey, I'd like to buy your house, but here's, here's like five requirements I have um, to buy your house. So before we really get in negotiations, before I even look at your house, really, like here's five things I really need you to commit to before we go too much further. What would you expect to happen? Do you think they would take that, that offer serious? Like would they even consider you? Like what they, get, they know they're going to have eight people bidding on this house over asking, why would they even entertain that? And the answer is they would not. And today, right now, in February 2023, it's a seller's market when it comes to labor. But if you read ads, if you go on Craigslist or Indeed or whatever, and you read ads, the ads are a list of things the applicant must have. There's not a single ad I've seen in, I've been looking at these things for a year and a half now. There's not a single ad I've seen yet, just randomly looking. I'm not saying I've looked at every one, but just randomly going on to Craigslist and Indeed and things like that and looking where it's anything other than here's a list of requirements. I don't see ads where they say, Hey, we know you have this problem and here's how we solve it. If they had, if there was ads like that, people would respond. And if you want to know more about how to do that, you can go to free hiring That's free hiring It's about an hour webinar. I did where I walk you through this step-by-step. So we have to stop acting like we're in a buyer's market on labor. We're not, it's a seller's market and we have to have, solutions that work in that market. Developing a better solution requires doing the development work, which is asking, why would they want to come here instead of staying where they're at? Why would they want to come here instead of going to a different company? Oh, well, it's about money. Okay. After money, what do they care about? What are the things I want to compete on? If I don't want to compete on money, what do I want to compete on specifically? So once we have a, our list of three of reasons, pay and then the other three, focus on the other three. Pay is not as much as our control. And if you get, if you nail number two, when you nail number three, pay will be less of a factor and you'll attract people who make decisions on things besides just the money, which is the same ring. Again, same reason they're going to leave you in, in a year from now. All right. So if this person is not currently working in your industry, there's really only five labor pools to draw from. There's people making more money than this position. There's pe people making the same money, people making less money, people not yet even in the workforce, like people still in high school or college or whatever. And people who have left the workforce, either the retirees, those who just decided it's not worth it to, to work right now. If we're going to go for people outside of our industry, we'd better know why they should choose our industry instead of the one they're in. Basic question. If this industry pays, the one I'm in, whatever industry I'm in, pays the same as the one I think people should come to, to me from, why should they do that besides pay? Or if pay is a factor, why? I mean, but, but I better know if I think this money should come from a different industry to mine. If I'm, if I'm trying to pull people out of a different industry into mine, I better be able to answer this basic question. What's in it for them to be in this industry instead of the one they're in. And if I don't have an answer for that, 
I'm, I'm, I have not much of a message I could, I could articulate to get them to make that decision. And again, if I'm relying on money only, well, then they're going to go, well, Hey, if I can make it $2 an hour more doing this job, what other kinds of jobs can I look for? And they'll go look for money in different places. Right? So again, the obvious question is going to be, well, how could I know that? Well, same thing. You have to ask or find some other way to figure it out. What don't they like about the industry they're in? And if you, again, if you go to freehiringwebinar.com, I give you some examples where people, there's things that they really don't like about what they're doing. There's very specific things that we would not even think about. But once you ask, you find out. And it's like, holy smokes. If you can just say, we don't have this thing that you hate. They're like, I'm listening. What do you got? All right. If you don't have an answer for why your industry, that why should they pick your your industry instead of the one that they're in? We're right back to money, which is, again, not a long-term solution. Now, I want to be really clear about something here. We're talking about like front desk, office, clerical, clerical work. There's kind of an exception here. Office work at a dental office is not necessarily all that different than office work at a chiropractic office. Dispatch work for a carpet cleaning company is not that different from dispatch work in a plumbing company. I say different industries, I mean that they're doing different kinds of work. So a receptionist, you know, a receptionist may not be a different industry, even though you pull them from a different industry, they, it, it might be the same for them. So you kind of have to know for your people in your position, like if you're a chiropractic company pulling somebody from a, a medical office or a, a dental office, is that, a, is that much difference? I, you would know that better than me for sure. So when I talk about different industries, I just want to be clear. I'm talking about generally the revenue-producing positions. Office work is a little different. Like, I've, you know, people move from trucking to contractors. Like, that's, that's a pretty fluid move. Like, that's not really a big deal. So um, assuming you're not talking to people that want to make, are making more money, like you're not trying to get somebody to take $25 an hour if they're usually making $30, I'm assuming you're not doing that unless you have a really compelling reason they should do it, like less stress or more time at home or something like that. Those things might exist, but, but generally speaking, people would not be trying to do that. You're probably not generally talking to people who are not yet in the workforce, like people still in high school or whatever. You might. If, you, if you're like grooming people to, hey, you're going to graduate in six months. We can't wait to hire you. That, awesome. Do that. Uh, but you're probably not talking to retire, uh, retirees and people who just like giving up on working. Although if you think you have a message that is compelling to them, then go for it. Like I'm all, I'm all for it. We're generally going to be talking to people, though, who are making the same money or less money. So if it's the same money, if their hourly wage is not going to increase, why should they make this change if money is not a factor? We have to be specific. If we're talking to, uh, if we think money is a compelling factor, for those who are making less, for example, here's something I would suggest. So if you're, now this is very specific. You have a position paying X dollars an hour, $20 an hour, let's say, and you want to draw from people who are making $17 an hour, wherever this is, all right? And you think money is a compelling thing and you want to pull from different industries. So here's what I would suggest. List 10 industries you could pull from. What are 10 industries where the employee could significantly raise their standard of living in a reasonable amount of time by changing their industry? So I'm paying $23 an hour for entry level. They're currently making $20 an hour where they're at in a different industry. What are 10 industries I could pull from? Of these, then, after we've done the list of 10, I would go back and say, what are the top three I think I could have the best chance of success in hiring? Now, when I say best chance, here's what I'm considering. Would the candidates that um, work in that industry be a good fit for me, meaning they have skills that are easily adaptable, they have X skills that, that once they know that, learning this thing that I do is pretty easy. So it would be a good fit for me. They would also, um, I could pr- uh, provide a compelling reason to consider my industry ins- instead of the one that they're in and my company instead of a different one, again, besides pay. So I get that the money is the hook, but again, I don't want to only rely on money. I don't want to, 
attract somebody for $3 an hour more from a different industry and then fall back to, well, money is the reason you should do this because they're going to leave me in six months or six years because of money if that's how they make decisions. So I get that they might go be making $20 an hour. I'm going to pay them 23. But once I get their attention, I want to know besides money, what are other compelling reasons they should pick my industry and my company besides pay? What is the problem they have that you solve besides pay? If we don't have an answer for that, we just have to understand our batting average is going to go way, way down. And the other third, third thing is, once I figure out these top three, where would they be looking for work in a place that I could advertise? So if I decide that I'm going to, that the hotel or apartment maintenance people would be a good fit because I'm a contractor. And like, if they can fix stuff in hotels and apartment complexes, they can fix the stuff we do. Where would I post a job where maintenance people will be looking? Uh, I would look, I would post a job in the maintenance section of Indeed, for example. So having a specific targeted industry that I'm talking to would tell me also where to put my ad, right? So more on that in a minute. First, again, freehiringwebinar.com. If you're struggling with hiring, it's like an hour. Um, it, it, I walk through way more detail than we're going into today. And uh, if this is at all helping you, then I'd recommend to go to that freehiringwebinar.com. All right. So first thing we have to do is understand we got to cater our message to the people we are hoping will respond. We cannot have a message compelling to people in different pay groups, different experience level in our industry. Like we can't be talking to a person who we want to transfer from a different company in the same industry to ours, like make a lateral move and people who are coming from outside the industry or people who would be promoting into this position from a, a more junior position in a different company. Like we can't have one message that talks to all those. We have to have a message talking to a person with a problem right? And hopefully that problem is not money. We, again, we have to, I keep going back to this, this uh, seller's market in the housing thing. This is the crux of the problem. I think people are having now again, yes, there's a shortage of people and we're exacerbating it because we're treating this like it's a, a buyer's market in labor and it's a seller's market. Whoever needs this less has to, has to provide more. <laughs> Whoever needs this less has to be more compelling. Like we, uh, I'm sorry, I had that backwards. Whoever needs this more has to be more compelling in their offer. We need the labor more than the labor needs us right now. We have to be more compelling. And if we want to compete, we, if we want to compete on something besides money, then we got to compete on something besides money. If we don't like the fact that people are coming and going for $2 an hour, stop competing on $2 an hour, come up with something better. And in most cases, money, I think, again, is the excuse. It's not, it's not generally the reason. Again, there's exceptions, but generally speaking, historically for decades, People stay or leave a job because of the relationship with their direct supervisor, the purpose they have in their work, their opportunities for advancement. Those are the kinds of things that make people love or hate a job. Generally speaking, wages is often just the excuse. Wages is how they explain to their wife it's okay to do this. Wages is how they can explain to their friends, like, this is why I left my job after seven years. This is how they justify it. They make an emotional decision and they justify it by saying, I got an extra 75 cents working over there. All right. So if we're tired of gaining or losing people over a couple dollars an hour, then find something else to compete. All right. Um, don't forget freehiringwebinar.com to get more information on this. And um, for those of you who have had taken a moment here recently to ha uh, give me some reviews, I really appreciate that. Thank you very much. Um, if you haven't yet, take two seconds and subscribe to this thing. And maybe most importantly, you know, what we're trying to accomplish here is just making things easier for people, business owners. So uh, take a moment, if you would, and just share this with a friend. Uh, post it on Facebook. Uh, there's been some people who've done that recently. I really thank you for that. Um, just share it with people. Like We're all struggling with this stuff, so the, the more we can uh, help each other out, I think the, the better off we all are. So if you haven't had a chance yet, 
share it with a friend, subscribe, leave a rating review. That's how we grow these things. And uh, that's it for this week. I'll see you all next week. <laughs>